Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a reverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Rowden in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Please ignore the fan that I have in my room. Um, it is very hot, I'm allergic to it, I don't want to die. So you're just going to have to put up with the sounds of my fan. Um, <laughs> I just want to put this in here in case anyone is like, what is that? And the answer is, it's air. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear air now you can it's being pushed around in a circle because <laughs> this oh. fan does fuck all literally all it does is just move the warm air and make me feel a little bit better <laughs> it's not a actually nice, cool a nice gentle warmer breeze that's what you want <laughs> exactly that's basically what it is that I'm getting Sorry. but um <laughs> everyone who's listening of course you can already tell i am not alone today i am joined by a very special guest who is a frequent guest here on the uh i was gonna say the channel this isn't youtube on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm very happy to have them back please give a warm round of applause if you want to i don't know you may be in public and it may be weird to katie of the damn snack bar podcast katie, hey thank you so much for coming oh uh, you're so welcome i was dancing the entire time you did that i was like yes <laughs> hide me up friend do it let's go yes. let's go <laughs> i feel like i'm like a boxer and i needed like an intro song <laughs> don't copyright me yeah yeah that's exactly it hello hi tell everyone who you are and all the stuffs so i'm katie and i run um the damn snack bar podcast with my sister joe um yeah <laughs> you can find us like everywhere we're reading magnus chase at the moment so it's it's super fun and we come out i don't know weekly i don't know what else you want me to say i never remember what i'm supposed to say in like this section <laughs> for anyone well, i'm like i'm here you- listen to me <laughs> what is the social medias for you guys oh um we are damn snack bar pod at um, just everything instagram twitter come and come and find us come and chat i'm i swear i'm more fun <laughs> in uh, maybe i'm not i don't know you're fun you're good oh, it's all good you, you're very fun um and we are both incredibly chaotic when we do do collabs and it's a lot of fun so uh, yeah uh, everyone is gonna love this because yeah. um we do not train of thought back. we don't have those <laughs> exactly train of thought where is it we don't, we don't know, know <laughs> chaos that's our best friend. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Frequent collab. I don't know. <laughs> we frequently collab with Chaos. With and, Chaos. Um, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. 
she is truly our best friend and uh, we love that for her <laughs> literally oh god yeah <laughs> this is where we're at guys it is late for katie it is early for me this is why we are both in the state of her <laughs> you know what's so funny is that it's literally 8 p.m and i'm literally like oh my bed is like calling my name i'm an old woman <laughs> 8pm is like 1am for me. It feels like um, it anyway. I get no. you, I get you. But it's been up since it's just, like... Oh yeah. It's oh, been yeah. a long hard day. Uh, I'm sure. My day's only just starting I'm already like, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Thanks for having me, but bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today has been cancelled. I have had enough. <laughs> yeah. But, oh God. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Today, we're continuing with our timeline journey with the Son of Neptune section entitled Meeting with Phineas, which is from pages 257 to 296. So, thankfully, at least this time, it is not actually that long of a section because I swear each time I've done a section so far, they've been near to 100 pages each. And I'm oh like, that God. is. That is no. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even Fuck just. Off. I just wouldn't be able to find the time to read that much for the week. I would just, yeah, half of that would be like good. Any more yeah, than that, would I mean, be like, this is taking too much time. Literally, it's why I'm so behind with some of my episodes because it just takes so fucking long to read. <laughs> Honestly, there's a point where it's it. There would like for me, it would like cross a point into like being homework. Like, oh well, it's not fun anymore. So just keep it short and sweet, and it'll be good. Yeah. Unless it's in this case where we're like, drag it out, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um yeah, no, I've had that with a few things where I'm like, I need to break this up because otherwise I will cry. Oh my god. <laughs> I, um so thankfully this section isn't actually that big. So we are happy, we are good, we are ready yes. to go. Um, so yeah, as always, we've our points to focus on. So today we've got villains, plot, and generally what we thought of it. So, because we're not doing synopses anymore, because fuck that noise, let's dive in. <laughs> Diving <laughs> so, in. Woohoo. Oh, literally. But thankfully, it is only Percy's over I say thankfully, that sounds really mean. I do like Kiesel and Frank, but because it's a short section, we only have Percy's overview. So here is the breakdown for Percy's overview. Feeling like a grade A loser for having a minor freak out due to his mind and memory loss pains, Percy continues to guide the boat forward. We learn that Hazel and Percy contacted Raina to let her know of the incoming army, which, unfortunately, will likely get to camp before they make it to Alaska. Percy eventually begins to feel exhausted and, with the help of a whale, takes a nap where he dreams a lot. One of a his lot. dreams is a lot, a lot. Seriously, this he boy. He wasn't wasting any time. Dream. <laughs> literally he's, he's covering a lot <laughs> he dreams about his past on mount tam which as we will know yeah. is to do with uh oh zoe nightshade's death and turning Heck into yeah. stars oh god that was sad another yeah. is with three demigods he doesn't recognize who are on a dragon's hull ship and are worried about camp jupiter seemingly he then sees a cyclops and a big dog <laughs> who are worried and trying to find him. <laughs> Big doggo. Big doggo. <laughs> Big doggo. <laughs> yeah. He receives a message from Gaia who wants to keep him for something very special. And he sees the giant in Alaska waiting for him 
on a glacier. What glacier? Who knows? It's Alaska. When he it's awakens, just all glacier. <laughs> it's just all glacier. <laughs> when he awakens, they've made it to Portland, where it is raining. It is time to find Phineas. Hopefully, he'll know where in Alaska the giant is. It doesn't take them long to find Phineas, because he is a cruel man punishing harpies with a weed whacker and has joined Gaia to get revenge on the gods. In return for his help, the trio must capture a red-feathered harpy that Phineas intends to torture. Great guy. Oh, they aren't happy about it, but they offer to do so. Literally, stand, it's a proper stand-up guy. Oh, I mean, this is God. the sort of man you want to be friends with, Just like, literally. an absolute role model. Like, he's who I want to do my My Hero essay on. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> when they find the harpy, they learn her name is Ella, and she is a very special harpy. She has memorised everything she has ever read. It's from Ella that they figure out how to gain the information from Phineas. A gamble. Returning to the old man, they make a deal that he will give them the information on the glacier if he chooses the wrong vial of golden blood. If Percy chooses wrong, well, Phineas will have his sight back and his power, so he'll win. Percy then bets Gaia, saying if he's as important as she says she is, he is. No. <laughs> She'll save him. Percy's not gender fluid. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, not shocking. <laughs> oh, God. Turns out Percy knows how to gamble correctly. They have their location now, and so it is time to head to Alaska. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. They've spent a long Alaska. time trying to get to Alaska. It's halfway through the book now. Yeah, it's halfway. It's um, way too long. Yeah, hold on. So yeah, so God. they are currently more than halfway through the book, I'm sure. If this was the Lightning of... Thief, the book would be over by now. Yeah, it would. <laughs> or close to over, at least. <laughs> but this is one of the shorter books of Heroes of Olympus. Well. I the think shortest it's the book. shortest. Uh, Blood of Olympus is actually the shortest one. So the finale Really? Shorter. I really read that one once. That was too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> once was too <laughs> once many was times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm just looking at it now and just like in comparison, it's fucking tiny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess the finale, it's the big battle, it's the culmination of everything. Yeah. And yet, the first book is bigger than everything, including oh House of Hades. I mean, come on now. I really think he must have just fired his editor for Lost Hero and then just included everything that he wanted, which is, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Like there's, because you can definitely tell that there is a change in ability of editing for like the last three books. So yeah. like, Mark of Athena is better, ish. House of Hades is better, ish. Mm. And the Blood of Olympus, I think everyone was just very confused because he'd set things up that didn't make sense, and it's kind of like, oh fuck. I think by the time he got to Mark of Athena, and he once again was writing characters that he actually understood and that he was writing a storyline that felt more concrete and was actually going somewhere like that's where he thrives but the getting their point he's never been great at yeah he and has like his the moments, difference but... yeah the difference with like the original series is that because it was based on those huge huge myths and based on those huge like well-known people like he didn't need to set anything up like heaps because he was just following you know the story of Perseus or you know, Theseus or whoever and then mm. once you get to this series he's actually like come up with something himself and he's like oh fuck (laughs) yeah yeah you can tell it wasn't that planned out which isn't fortunate because 
I think if it had been planned out, it would have gone very well. But, yeah. you know, that's just It's just like the pacing of it is wrong. Like, he yeah. didn't need two books of setup. He could have had no. half a book of setup and then got into it way faster. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Just put all the setup in one book. That's yeah. basically all you need. Because they know where Camp Jupiter is. Yeah. They could have gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been six Absolutely. months. I mean, it, it's, it's been six months, guys. It doesn't take that long to build a boat. No. It's, yeah. The, she mm-hmm. says, having never built anything in her life. <laughs> yeah. But when you've got a trained mechanic, uh, someone who is good with building as well, like you've got yeah. an entire cabin of Hephaestus. Yes. Yeah. If you can reason, have. If you can have a group of three 12 year olds go on a quest across the country in a week, you could send someone to scout ahead while you're building your boat and then come back and build it. Or better yet, go and build it at Camp Jupiter because they have way more resources. Yeah, yeah, literally. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of things that are confusion. A confusion. (laughs) 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 I am confusion. (laughs) I was going to say, are you confusion, (laughs) Brad? Oh, God. So (laughs) there are some things that are confusing in that when we sort of somewhat, it's not when we open bits, but just before they're about to go on the quest, and um, Annabeth appears with Grover in Percy's dream, saying that they're coming to find him. Yeah. But then we've gotten a dream in this section of what we know to be Piper, Jason, and Leo with the boat saying, oh, we're not going to get there in time. I'm like, but Annabeth is like, I'm very confused because how it ends is, and how we find out in the next book is Annabeth is on the boat with Leo, Jason, and Piper. Yeah. But she was on her own with Grover. Yeah. Running to Camp Jupiter to find Per. It's like, yeah. What? <laughs> where Where did that go? Did they turn around yeah. once they realized where he was, or that he was okay, or Grover have some yeah. other calling? Like, we need to know. Yeah, and we never do. <laughs> no, so it's like <laughs> we what? literally never. Yeah. My God. It's- Mm, chaos chaos incarnate chaos incarnate but speaking of chaos incarnate uh percy's kind of a dick <laughs> like mm-hmm. this opening mm-hmm. section this yeah. opening section my god i know okay it's an early 2010s book i get it but i forget how much toxic masculinity is in heroes of olympus Literally. because percy has a satchel with rainbow colors on it and not only does he call it a handbag he then calls it a man satchel and he also then feels like it's another sign for how useless he is. He is equating femininity, but also it's a fucking bag. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a, a goddess bag, tried to basically. help you. They tried to help, to help you. you. And yeah. you're screwing your nose up at it? Like, what? Yeah. And also the food as well. She gave them food. I know it's like probably not the nicest tasting food. Yeah. Like it but it's like free. It's, like, it's free. It's good for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, beggars so- cannot be choosers, Percy. There's also nothing wrong with it. She just wants you to be healthy. Yes. Also, like, you point this out as well, but there was a really good one. He's been to Camp Half-Blood. I mean, there is no reason for him to be angry at fucking Rainbow. No. (laughs) On a bag. (laughs) They literally have an arts and crafts table where they make, like, shit. They make, like, friendship bracelets and crap. Like, their their whole thing is at the end of the summer you get a camp beat that you've, like, made. Or, like, someone made for you. And, you know, that's, like, your whole thing. So you can wear a necklace, but you can't have a bag. What? Literally. And it's specifically a bead necklace. Yeah. Bead necklaces. I'm sorry. Yeah. Every female presenting person had 
a bead necklace of multiple different colors at some point in their childhood because mm-hmm. they thought it was mm-hmm. and everyone was doing it. there is no one <laughs> who didn't every one of my friends did even i did and i wasn't the sort of person who was into stuff like that but i was like you know what it's got rainbows of course yeah. i'm having it <laughs> <laughs> it's mine now <laughs> And I remember being devastated when I lost it. So, (laughs) it's literally, Percy, (laughs) don't be a dick. Oh, God. And it's also, it's just, like, confusing because he doesn't know his own personality. So, like, I don't know if this was Rick trying to, like, recreate his personality. But, like, I feel like inherently Percy wouldn't act like that with, Mm. you know, if he just... Like, if he's forgotten his whole life and you don't know what you're like and you don't know what your past experiences are, even then, he's, like, just not built as the kind of person who would screw his nose up at something like that. And I don't know if that's, like, if I feel that way because the whole first series he's supposed to be, like, kind of a self-insert character with a little bit of personality. Like, he starts off that way so that you're on the same page as him and, like, you're learning everything the same way and so, like, you put some of yourself in and, you know, you get some of him back obviously but Mm. rick had to write him in a way that was like inclusive and accepting and so because we read him that way then i we get to this bit and it's like well he's not like that and then rick's like well he is and you're like but he's not because you didn't write him like that in the first one yeah i somewhat half get it because like i had some issues with the way in which percy spoke about girls, particularly Annabeth, like that whole like, but that whole love triangle situation that was occurring, the way in which he <laughs> talked about and thought about Annabeth really irked me because it was like it was very disrespectful. In a, oh, like, yeah. like as it, as you put it, Percy needs to drink a little bit more respect women juice. Oh yeah, because oh my god, <laughs> yeah, there is there is, and I know this is the whole thing. It's very much a middle grade series thing of the 2010s of if you are fat you're probably a villain if uh you are interested in feminine things it means you're weaker it's Mm -hmm. like it's a very common thing and it's everywhere in this series and i know we're kind of looking from a 2022 perspective but Mm -hmm. still even you should still be able to apply you should be able to apply that lens in a way that still works especially if you're trying to hold something up now like yeah you know there's a reason that things like you know i mean i don't want to mention a specific series <laughs> but like <laughs> there are reasons why some series don't hold up now like young adult wise or middle grade wise and it's like mm. you can clearly see the biases that the author had and now they're just like really obvious they like went over your head when you were younger but it's like not acceptable yeah. now and so it's like well we shouldn't be supporting that so yeah. I think that it's I think that it's good to go back and analyze these things with the way that society is at that current point in time. Like I think it's still I mean it's very worth it. This whole reason English mm. as a subject exists, I think, for analysis. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. good. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that perspective, yeah. I think the unfortunate thing is that it kind of doesn't fully fade away. Specifically the the fat equals kind of bad thing or yeah. fat equals unattractive and stuff like that because mm-hmm. that's there in trials of apollo like apollo's oh, yeah. immediate response to appearing like lester papadopoulos yeah. is that he has a bit of chub and it's like oh my god that's terrible and i'm like oh, i yeah. hate this i'm no longer beautiful i'm no longer desirable no one's gonna celebrate my worth because i don't look worthy 
Mm. Yeah. And mm, 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 as someone who's very recently had a body situation of, um, oh no, <laughs> feelings, yay. Um, literally, it's just reading it now with this whole, because there's commentary about Phineas as well and his physical appearance from Percy. Yeah. And it just. <sighs> but it feels different when it's describing Phineas because his the way that his body is it feels almost celebrated as like some kind of triumph in the way that phineas represents it like in the way that he like Mm. you know describes it because he's like well you know this represents the fact that i'm overcoming the people who have you know been attacking me this entire my entire existence Mm. and so now i'm the person above and that's why i'm you know nourished Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah it's just it reads really weird there's just a lot of stuff like that like it's and it's a lot in kids media i don't think i've ever read any like series that is geared towards the younger audience that hasn't had that bad people equals larger yeah and yeah it's it still happens now which is very disappointing and very frustrating it's a little bit better i know some of the rick Roden presents authors have done away with that which I very much appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even kind of like twisted it on its head. I think it may have been, who was it? I think it may have been Gracie Kim's um, Last Fallen Star series that had sort of basically kind of twist, turned that on its head a little yeah. bit of like, you're assuming because of physical appearance that they're probably bad. And then it turns out to be the opposite or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that I like when it's a little bit more it's turned on its, its head because at this point, whenever you meet a character that is described as fat or chubby in Heroes of Olympus, I'm immediately like, oh, okay, so they're going to be bad, aren't they? Great. Yeah. <laughs> See, um, and it's mm. interesting the way that he plays into those tropes too because for middle grade, it's usually either the physicality thing that makes you go, oh, they're a villain, or it's the over-stereotyped accent or, um, you know, culture or that kind of thing that makes you go, oh, yeah, they're mm. a villain. So one of the things I really like about um heroes is that you have octavian as one of the like secondary villains and he's this anemic little sickly thing and it's like he yeah the way that um like rick still plays into his physicality a little bit with that but in like the opposite direction obviously with him being like Mm. thin and pale and you know whatever else but i like the way that he almost makes octavian like grotesque in that way and you're just immediately Mm. like this guy's giving off bad vibes don't i'm not on board like he's yeah so I like that in that retrospect. And then I like how he also flips it on his on its head kind of. Like in the first series you've got Dionysus who's obviously like larger because he his whole thing is indulging in, you know, whatever mm. it is he's indulging in. And so I like that he's this kind of morally grey area of yeah. like is he good, is he bad? And you see instances where he's both and I like that that's – I like that he's that character. Yeah. But then, yes, obviously you do get – other plus size characters or you know that kind of thing and you're like immediately why are you playing into this stereotype why did you you didn't yeah. have to you didn't have you didn't even have to mention it didn't yeah literally and the thing that i'm just thinking is literally just in the previous section is where we see mar Guskett again with the cyclopses and yeah. immediately it's drawing in on her physical appearance mm-hmm. and i'm just like why you don't need to do that at yeah. all. it's completely unnecessary um I wonder how much of it is to, like, because it is obviously for younger kids, I wonder how much of it's for them to, like, try and visualise it. Because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think that that ever clicked with me me when I was younger. Like, I probably Mm. didn't even give it any thought. Like, it was probably just like a, okay, well, that's how they are. 
the same way that like when you're younger you don't click onto the people describing features by using um food instead of like a color is bad Mm. you don't click onto that when you're younger but then when you're older you're like that's so wrong you shouldn't be doing that at all and so yeah I like I mean obviously you can't go back and read it as like as a child now and so it's like well Mm. I'll never understand that side of it with the level of critical thinking that you know happen as a as an adult but it's I don't know I guess it's interesting because like every um like writing course I ever did at uni that was writing for younger audiences they always drive home on the show not tell rather than the Mm. finding a balance and so like going into any kind of descriptive imagery was like something that they were like yes do it it's amazing great but then it's like as you're saying how many times can you do it before it's like you're not delving any further into anything you're just re-describing the same thing I don't know yeah no no I totally get that and I think it also comes in this whole situation of like more often than not your first read of something you aren't going in with as much of an analytical mind as you would when you're so I think like I know like when I first read the series I was 19 when I first read the books and Mm. like I didn't pick up on any of this stuff like I was just enjoying the books as they were as you do because they're great yeah in the, in <laughs> they have no problems but they are great yeah um, i mean come on i have them tattooed like on me like, oh goals <laughs> absolute goals <laughs> um and uh, yeah so, but like i've noticed it with new things that i read now that sometimes i will pick up on things just automatically because like you learn more as you get older so i think it's just very much like it's just something that's done for younger kids because kids don't always pick up on things like this um sort of like the innocence of them obviously kids can be little shits but they're still innocent in mind some in some senses so they won't always recognize these things unless they're super smart which good on them they do figure it out um some kids pick up up on like the other side of it like they'll pick up on only those things that are like Mm. your physical descriptors and they'll just make something out of it that's you know derogatory or they'll make something out of it that's definitely bringing that point home to other kids who have never thought of that in a in a way that they can use it against someone Mm. else I work with kids so I see it like a lot and I'm yeah Yeah. it's just it very interesting the way that kids think depending on like their other influences in life and it's just Mm. yeah it's really interesting yeah kids are weird man kids are weird (laughs) they're Um, fucking weird (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I have this. So my sister, I, I think I can. Yeah, no, she's posted about it publicly. It's fine. So my sister <laughs> is pregnant. Her and her fiance Woo! are expecting their first kid. Um, I am going to be an official lesbian auntie. Very Heck cool. yeah. The vibes um, are here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> am I going to have anything to do with the kid? No, because I hate kids. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, good for them and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah. Watch if you be their favorite person just because you don't like them. <laughs> They'll go, oh no, I'm going to make you like me. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, we're just going to sit down. We're going to watch Avatar The Last Airbender and shut up. <laughs> oh my God, mom, I got to go to my friend's house and I watched so much cool TV. She gave me snacks. It was the most best time I've ever had. <laughs> Literally, the only time I will spend time with that kid is when they're older and I can give them sugar so I can immediately give them back to my sister and her fiance. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) With that kid, high as fuck. One of my favorite. Not on drugs, on sugar. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) till it's legal. (laughs) One of my favorite things that my parents ever did was to their godson. We went out to like breakfast or whatever with them at like a 
there's like an old train station in my hometown that they like built up to be like a tourist thing. So this gift shop. Mm. Anyway, my parents went into the gift shop and bought a train whistle, like one of those wooden ones for their four-year-old godson and then only gave it to him as they were putting him into the car and then he like did it once out the window and his parents went oh fuck and so they had a four-hour car ride all the way home and he's just there in the back blowing on this train whistle it was the funniest (laughs) fucking thing oh my god (laughs) oh my god that's i feel like that needs to be you you need to be giving all the train whistles Oh, yeah. I'm getting them train stuff. I was fucking obsessed with trains as a kid. Which makes sense now, uh, since I've also finally been diagnosed with autism. A lot of my obsessional tendencies make a lot of sense. When I found out that. Being trains and dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. When I found out that the Thomas, the tank engine thing, was like when that was the thing, that it's like, if you loved it, guess what you are now? My brother was obsessed. (laughs) My younger brother, he's a year younger than me, and he was obsessed. And I sent him that meme and he was like, no, copy me. No, not doing it. And he's like the most, he's a misogynistic asshole. But he, and so like he would not accept any of this. And every time I see him, I'm like, what? Like last year I bought him for his birthday, I bought him a Thomas the Tank Engine like fold out kids couch because he's moving house. And I was like, you have a new couch. I got you a couch. And so he's like, stop driving home the Thomas thing. And I'm like, no, it's funny. That is very accurate. It was like, I, I had both of them. So I was both into Thomas the Tank Engine and like had all the train stuff with it. I hated when my sister touched it because I was like, no, oh. they have to be in a specific order. Yep. They have yep. to be. Everything has its place. About it to this day. Uh-huh. Everything has its place. Everything has a way in which it needs to move around. Don't exactly. fucking touch it. Exactly. And I was also obsessed with dinosaurs. And again, I mean, if that's amazing. dinosaurs. I was so you can't see it but that's my tv behind me and sitting on the tv unit i have like a row of little dinosaur lights all connected they're amazing that's so cool yeah oh i miss they're amazing dinosaur stuff <laughs> i just have new obsessional tendencies which is writing books <laughs> and now we collect books now it's, we a collect books. it's a whole new cycle it's a whole new cycle yeah yeah it's never oh ending god <laughs> no it's not my bank is very unhappy um, <laughs> but anyway back in. we um, live on a floating rock do what you want <laughs> fair fair i'll take it yeah um <laughs> i was like the money. only thing I'm... true true <laughs> the additional thing that i kind of want to mention for this section just kind of somewhat going back to the toxic masculinity thing we mentioned yeah frank as a character makes no sense and it's because rick does not know what he was trying to do with frank so we were talking about this just before we started recording and basically frank's character is so inconsistent that it kind of makes me mad we kind of used to him (laughs) but i'm trying to say calm (laughs) but basically frank is meant to be this character who doesn't have that much confidence in himself he's not very He's, he's very soft, very kind, very protective, yeah. a little overprotective, mm-hmm. and he's not one for violence. And then suddenly, everything that we've had a scene with him in, he is leading towards violence. And I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> this is not how we were introduced to him. What happened to our, you know, not very confident, shy, caring, hates the violence boy? Because really? now suddenly... And this whole section, 
he's considering using his spear against Phineas because he insulted Hazel. Yeah. His reaction his reaction is so explosive that it took me aback because I'd forgotten. And now I understand what all the other Percy Jackson podcasters say when they don't like Frank because of his toxic yeah. masculinity. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's just I, I see it now. Like I didn't all pick up on it because I only ever really remembered that, you know, not confident, you know, very protective. Little soft him. I, yeah. Same. Yeah. Because that's what he was. And then mm-hmm. Rick ruined him. <laughs> yep. And that's what he's like typecast as. And then for like the rest of the series, Rick keeps trying to like bring it back to that soft one. And you're like, mm, not, he's not there. You you wrote him out. Yeah. Yeah. It just a lot. That, there's a lot of things that just don't make sense to him. And it was just, it was really frustrating just to yeah. see that he was ready to kill <laughs> because Hazel was upset, which I think was a bit much just in general. And also yeah. this whole thing of like, oh, you know, he's not my boyfriend and stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, that's not important. Why are you focusing on that? But like just as a whole, that whole section was just so uncomfortable to read. And it also made no sense to me because Percy has always been the explosive one. He's always mm-hmm. been the one who's acted rashly, never yeah. really kind of thought things through. And like that was the case up until the very last book. Oh, yeah. And like this just it doesn't feel like Percy I had this whole section in the previous episode where uh, I think it was the previous episode it may have been the episode before I can't remember <laughs> it was one I know it was um the one that's just come out at this point so it's two oh good I've heard that one. Oh yeah <laughs> um and it is the scene in the senate where they're discussing the quest and oh, then it just disappears literally disappears from the entire scene until there's a moment where he's getting angry and goes to confront um octavian and percy stops him and i'm just like none of this makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's continuing here none of this is making sense i feel like really dumb the way that rick like wrote frank is that he wanted him to be this soft anti-percy like not a like Percy at all, but then turned Percy into the soft, cautious one and Frank into the wrathful one because he wanted mm. to make that connection between Frank being a child of Mars and then also eventually getting to be a Praetor and getting that like respect in that way. But it would have been way more powerful of him as a Praetor to still be that soft, not soft, but like still be like, you know, concerned and protective in that way. Like the way that I'm thinking about it is Joe and I watched Baymax, the Baymax show today, the new one on Disney+. Mm. Plus. Frank should have been exactly like Baymax, like protective yes. enough and like insistent enough that you're going to get your way, but in a way that's like caring and nurturing and in a way that's like putting your best interests at heart rather than like his prerogative. So like yeah. it's just completely chaotic, neutral character should have been yeah. Frank rather than Percy just to play into Percy's amnesia, quote unquote. Like it's, we don't need mm. to see that from Percy. Like it would be perfectly normal for Percy to be, wrathful to us but i guess yeah. for hazel and frank to just see percy like blow up out of nowhere they'd be like who the fuck is that guy yeah yeah and it's just the, the so literally you just saying that it's like like frank should have been a mixture between baymax and tadashi oh my god because <laughs> like literally the, the the comparison between the two they're like tadashi was someone who risked his own life yeah. to save someone he cared about that is what Frank should have been. He is uh-huh, someone uh-huh. who cares about other people, who brings people together. Like that whole scene of where we're meeting the other geniuses. 
and Tadashi's connection to all of them and the kindness that he shows to them. That's what Frank should have been. Because that's oh, yeah. what you want in a leader. We've already got the strong, brave one in Reina. We need someone who's on the kinder side to balance yeah. it out. You need that you know that whole thing of like the yin and yang, the balance. You yes. need that balance. Absolutely. And, and it would have like, made considering... like Oh, you go. Sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the only additional bit is that if Frank had stayed this kinder, softer side as a kid of Mars, it would be like what Piper is meant to be as a child of Aphrodite, of like she's oh, yeah. meant to be the different child of Aphrodite, of she's Fully. not someone. Yeah. And keep that, because like it also makes sense considering that Mars and Aphrodite are connected. Obviously, it's the Roman version, but like Mars and what, Venus. Venus? Yeah, Mars and Venus are the ones who are connected even in that mythology as well. So it makes yeah. sense that the two of them who are connected from their godly parents in some way would yeah. firstly have a connection because they never fucking talk, those two, in the entire series. Yeah. But them being the opposites of what their parents were while still having their parents' powers mm-hmm. would have been very cool for a bonding moment between them and also just having another character that just isn't like their parent. Yes. Absolutely. It also, like, if Rick had kept Frank's character the way that he started off as, it would just completely erase all of the weird love triangle jealousy thing between Hazel, Leo, and Frank. Like, that would all disappear, and that would be great, because that, none of that makes any sense, like, at all. Mm-hmm. I don't understand any of that plotline. But it just, like, by the time the seven get together, too, it's kind of like all of the solely Camp Jupiter of the seven which is just frank and hazel they literally fade into the background and then all of the like camp half-blood ones because that's who we're all attached to as readers as people from this place that we've been built up with and grown up with like mm. people from that place are the heroes and then the camp jupiter ones are just on the side to sometimes help and so they get like brushed off and even into trials of apollo they're like brushed off they're like never mentioned they're only really mentioned mm. in like the fourth one and yeah just like, they, oh yeah they're like nothing yeah which yeah. is like really sad I mean, because it could have been so great. Literally, I completely agree. Because like Jason has basically become a member of Camp Half Blood at this point. Like he he's yeah. he doesn't really agree with anything with Camp Jupiter, which I've always found really annoying. Like, why is Jason turning away from Camp Jupiter? Like yeah. just go back into the leadership role or immediately it made more sense for Frank to be leader if he was the good hearted Frank that he was to begin with. Yeah. But it like... doesn't make sense for Frank to be the leader just because his dad has a leadership role in the history of Rome. That doesn't make sense. Exactly. exactly. That can't be the only thing qualifying him to be a leader, because otherwise yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. And so many questionable decisions. But yeah, everything about Frank is just very contradictory. And it just makes it even it makes me feel even sadder that his character is not only kind of ruined by the narrative from how he was introduced, but his character is non-existent. So he has the least amount of chapters yeah. out of all of the seven. And Nico has nearly the same amount of chapters as Frank, and he's in one book with yeah. POV. Does Frank like, have two insane. books or three with POV? He has two books. Two. Same with Hazel. Both he and Hazel only have two books with POVs in. Right. You see, they're just like, yeah, Rick just really didn't care about them enough, which is really no. sad, because they have some of the most interesting backstories. Why should I care about Piper and Leo's backstories when I should care about Frank and Hazel's? They have yeah. such cooler histories. Like Hazel, not enough went into her. Not enough. Not enough time. Not enough anything. Mm-hmm. She's great. 
And like, mm. Frank, we should have heard more. There should have been way more of a connection to the ancestor that quote unquote destroyed Camp Rome or whatever it is, Camp Jupiter. Or there should have been like way more about, you know, the one who was connected to Neptune, or that's the same one, or the like, you know, the one who could turn into a dragon. There should have been way more about them and like his connection and finding a connection to them and to his past because he's the one who's supposed to be disconnected to his Chinese heritage just because he grew up in Canada. And it's like there could have been way more built into that and it just falls so flat. It does. It really does. And the whole thing is, so all those things are brought up in this section as well, of like Phineas mentioning about Hazel being from the underworld, mentioning about Frank's ancestors. And Percy yeah. doesn't give a fuck. No. Percy doesn't ask them about any of it. He doesn't give a shit. Like, he, do, he could literally not care less about these guys. And it's very frustrating. On a the only time, it's just like the only time anyone, like, blinked was when Phineas was like, you should be dead. <laughs> and, like, talking about Hazel and the other two were like, hang on, what? Like, that was the only, yeah. but then it was, like, brushed under the rug. Yeah. It's like nothing. And, uh, mm. and like, Percy doesn't question any of it. Like, he doesn't ask them about any no. of it. Like, it immediately moves on. Nothing. I don't think it's ever properly addressed until maybe much later on. And mm. it's when both Frank and Hazel bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Ugh. It's just... I believed their friendship, to, or at least their companionship, to begin with. But as the book is going on, I believe it less and less. <laughs> like yeah, they have yeah. a stronger foundation, but the foundation is not built upon. It's they've literally just made the foundation and forgot yeah. to build the house. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that I don't like Frank and Hazel as a couple because it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, apart from like, I know that everyone's debunked the age gap thing, but that age gap was never like the huge thing in my mind. The thing was that they no longer fit together. Yeah. From his change in personality, from how he met him yeah. at the start of the book. I was like, what interest should Hazel have in this angry man? Yeah. And considering we have that, like, the angry man and the soft girl mm. is basically the situation. It's the soft, sensitive girl. Yeah. I just, mm, I, I hate it. I hate it. Rick, damn it. <laughs> Especially when she's actually not the soft, sensitive girl. Like, she's more hardcore than Nico in some ways. Yes, and, like, and that's never explored. No. <laughs> She's like a very emotional oh, person. Oh, my gosh. Completely. The girls are so underexplored in this series, I swear. Other than maybe, yeah. I think Annabeth gets better. She gets and Raina. Raina gets quite a bit, which is good, because yeah. we love Raina. We stand. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like, I would have rather have had more yeah. from Hazel and Frank oh, yeah. than POV captains for Nico and Raina, because that yeah. was so... Un- you're just taking away from the main plot. Yeah. And just like we don't need talk about a side plot, my god! <laughs> Literally, the most epicest of side plots to the yeah. point where I was like, "Why the fuck?" <laughs> but then it's like so Why? interesting because for like a lot of people, the Nico and Raina chapters are the only enjoyable part of Flood of Olympus. Literally, which, which is, is like so bad. If you wanted to make it so enjoyable, make it its own book or a side. Literally, book. or like List. you know, yes, a buddy yes, cop cons- spinoff. I don't know. <laughs> Literally, considering he was released, Rick was releasing like those short stories afterwards as well. Like yeah. we had the um, a camp after Confidential, I think, came out after Heroes of Olympus or something like that. Yeah, have have literally one of those spin-off side books of Rainer and Nico of that journey because, like, yeah. say we haven't seen any of it and we just kind of see them at camp afterwards when the seven get back there. That'd be an you could see story. enough of it in like dream sequences. Like he's put enough dream sequences in, you could just add another one. It wouldn't matter. It would be like, what yeah. are Nico and Rainer up to? Oh, they're battling some fucking guy. I don't know. 
Yeah. It's, oh, God. They met up with the hunters. <laughs> exactly. And also, money. Do yeah. it as a side oh, yeah. You will make more money. <laughs> God. Like, oh God. Honestly, anyway, I don't sorry, think I've... there is, I don't think there's a single, like, short story side book that he could write that I wouldn't buy. I think I would buy them all. Exactly. So it doesn't really matter what he writes. Literally. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Celangelo book, I'm very excited. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> I need a title. I need a title. I feel I like the title now. I'm like concerned about the title because sometimes they like give away too much and I don't want it to be mm. like, because as far as we know, it's not a series. It's just a one-off book. Yeah. And so I don't want any kind of title or even blurb. Like I kind of want them to just drop the book so I can just read it without not knowing anything. And so <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I don't want to be teased for ages about it because I don't want to think about it too much and I don't want to think about the myth too much because I don't want to figure it out before it happens Yeah, because that would really disappoint me. Not that I think that they would make it really predictable, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. too excited for it. I'm just so excited <laughs> that I need it now with no preamble is what I'm saying. Agreed. <laughs> um, just kind of somewhat going back to the um, unnecessary side plot. <laughs> Because this whole section is an unnecessary side plot that is so being justified by like, oh, we need to find out where where the uh, giant is. And I'm like, okay, Gaia, tell them, seeing as you want them there. Yeah. So instead of like so- meeting Phineas, if you wanted the same like stakes, Percy could just like hold one of the vials and chug one and be like, oh, am I going to die? Well, you'll just tell me where the glacier is. <laughs> Yeah, that's so much better. <laughs> like immediately, that's so much better of him being like, okay, we need to figure out. And he's just had a dream about Gaia saying, but you're a necessary pawn, I need you basically, for blah, 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 yeah. blah, shit. And then immediately have him be like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Let's see how much you need me to get to Alaska. Mm. And then bait that like, ugh. That would be good. That would be useful. Also, gives Percy a bit more agency. I know, obviously, they still need to find Ella, but they can find her at another point. Because, like, yeah. literally, the next section is them with the Amazons, and they have lots of wild, monstrous animals in Amazon. Have Ella be there. <laughs> yeah, literally. She could be just memorizing their catalog of all of the items sold by Amazon. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> Amazon sells books. She could have made a nest oh, of Amazon yep. books. I mean, come yep. on. I, I've got. Oh, I won't mention it now. I'll mention it in the Amazon episode. But I've got a very funny <laughs> joke to do with the Amazons. <laughs> but yeah, not you it's... edging the Amazon joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'll tell you now, just so I can remember. It, but I'll cut it out of the episode. I love it. But basically, um, the fact that. The yeah, Amazons have male slaves is very accurate to the real life Amazon because the workers of Amazon are basically modern day slaves. Yeah. Yeah, that is. It's already a funny it, joke. It's, it's very true. Super on par. It's, it's <laughs> super on par. Yeah. Yeah. It's a like, joke. Yeah. I feel like really disconnected from Amazon. Like, I feel like that whole, like, the way that people talk about who works for and whatever that's very american in my head even though i buy like yeah. all of my books from amazon 
like but they're printed here and so like they come to me in like a day I don't have to wait for them from America and so I don't I just don't think about like the stuff and so I'm like my Amazon's not your Amazon so like my Amazon (laughs) I can buy cheap books your Amazon's scary and Jeff Bezos owns it and that's separate from me so like I don't think about that yeah I try not to anyway because yeah same (laughs) we just want cheap books that's all I want yeah that's the same the only thing I think about is wow if we tax them we wouldn't be having a cost of living crisis right now Fun. oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but will we ever tax them no. no because the conservatives get money from them we'll never tax the rich and we'll all just no. die because poor they because themselves of it. are rich we've literally yeah. got a billion right now going up for the role of prime minister oh really mm-hmm. Rishi Sunak is one of the richest men in the country um, why? And like, why? Why, why do they need? But why do they need to run for prime minister now? Well, like so you... he was already an MP. So he oh, was okay. like the the foreign, not the foreign secretary. He was the uh, treasury secretary or something like that. So he's the reason we're in a cost of living crisis, and he's a billionaire. Solid. Oh, solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, Can solve the entire country's again. problems with his own bank account, kind of rich. Mm-hmm. But oh, said he taxes that. us. Mm, yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun, fun, fun. <laughs> oh, anyway, <God. laughs> back to the Cypress. Yeah, this Phineas <laughs> thing just didn't need to happen. But I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on like this side plot sort of thing from what your own perspective. What did I write? I don't even remember. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I just like never think that they're helpful. And I think that's mostly just from the way that I get engaged with like the Kane Chronicles, every side plot was mm. not needed in that series. Every single one. There was not a single side plot that was helpful that I can even remember. Um, so like that's mostly where I'm coming from. But then I was thinking about it for heroes and then I was thinking about like Lost Hero especially. Like the whole Midas subplot, not necessary. This subplot mm. for Phineas, not necessary. But it's like different to the way that the side plots that Rick is used to writing from the first series because every single side plot helped to get to the end because it was more like a scavenger hunt, but it was also like Rick's way of still putting in his, I'm a teacher and I'm going to teach you about these myths that I know. And, but he did it in a way that was like still helpful to the plot because he was following, you know, each book in that first series followed one hero. And so it was following every sort of side character that they interacted with to get to their main thing. So it made sense for that. Whereas for heroes, it's very much just like, oh, here's another myth I know, I'm going to put it in somehow. Or here's another myth I know, I'm going to put it in here. But it doesn't necessarily yeah. flow or have any bearing on where the quest needs to go from there. And so it's just kind of like super pointless to me. So yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And the whole thing is also, he's lost his teacher element because we don't learn exactly what Phineas did no, to the curse. Yeah. Just know that he was like basically a sort of, he wasn't like an oracle but he could see things and so he yeah. knew the secrets. But we don't know any of the secrets that he shared. Like no. any of the things that he said that led to his punishment. He's yeah. just like, oh I just shared a few things the gods didn't want and then I was punished. And I'm like, okay, what did you share? And then he spouts off like things that we know of. Like, oh, like I knew that Darth Vader was Luke's dad. Um... <laughs> Uh, Newsflash, guy, we all know. Yeah, Yeah. I was just things like that. I was like, the cutting off before the Super Bowl, that was was dog. We could have won some money. That was just (laughs) terrible. Yeah, that was, yeah, the whole thing was just kind of like. The real person would have jumped on that. He would have been like, wait, who's going to (laughs) win? Literally. And also, like, (laughs) 
Yeah, Real Percy would have would have girl bossed that moment a little bit more. He would have been like, I'm gonna oh, keep 100%. you talking, I'm gonna keep you doing this. Like he wouldn't have to go and get um like he wouldn't have to converse with Frank and Hazel for a plan. He would just come up with one and then inform them later. Like he wouldn't yeah. Yeah. This Percy like, feels very is off the cuff side. His off the cuff his off the cuff stuff is oh, yeah. gone. I know it's because he doesn't have his memories, but also that you know, your personality is pretty inherent. Yeah, surely like that like memories, that like, impulsiveness is like built into you, not like yeah, you know, especially with ADHD. Oh yeah, like he still has ADHD. Also, yeah. he remembers he's dyslexic, so <laughs> like there was this whole thing of like they're going to the library to find Ella, and it's like, oh, a library isn't the first place I'd go because of my dyslexia. And I'm like, okay, so you do know some things because that's. Like, you'd get a diagnosis for that. So, do you remember? He knows he's a dyslexic, diagnosis? but he doesn't remember his mum. Sus. Yeah, very sus. Just the whole God. things. The amnesia plots are stupid. It is stupid. He remembers Annabeth and not his mum. He remembers Annabeth and but not like, his mum. Hera chose, no chose to let him remember that he's dyslexic when that has absolutely no, like, it doesn't affect him being a demigod in any way. Like, you don't have to be dyslexic to be a demigod. Frank proves that. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and you don't have to be, like, I just don't understand why it was included, but then you can't include, oh, my God, and I remembered my mum suddenly. Or, like, I always remember my mum, the two most important women in my life. Like, what? Yeah. Because, like, the whole thing that I never understood is why remove everything when he didn't know he was a demigod until he was 12? Just remove his memories of the times he was at camp. Like, basically, like, you don't have to remove everything. So just remove his memories from the time before he was 12. Yeah. That's literally all you need to do. Yeah. Everything up to finding to out work. that he was a demigod. Like, that's all you needed to do. Yeah. Whereas with Jason, it makes more sense because, like, obviously he was with Looper since he was two years old. Yeah. So it makes sense for all of his memories to go. Percy, it makes See, but then that's sense. confusing because he shouldn't really remember how to do things like walk. Yeah. The whole amnesia, it's stupid. It's always, <laughs> it's the inconsistency that makes it stupid. Because yeah, there's no, like, there's no, like, concrete way to go about it. And so everything seems, like, fake and dumb and only plot serviceable for that specific chapter. It's, yeah, it's really dumb. Yeah. I just, I'm not a fan. I'm not a hate fan it. of it in any level. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, I hate it. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> thanks i hate it yeah. um <laughs> the only other thing i want to mention is something that you put down was um the that phineas reveals to percy oh. you're gonna doom the world again because mm, yeah go, go, so go. when phineas was like you know begging for his life basically or not even but he was like you know trying to convince them to go about doing the gamble in a way that would benefit phineas more than anyone else and so he was trying to tempt percy by saying you know you're going to doom the world again after percy's having that whole crisis over hearing the old prophecy from you know the first series and so he's got prophecy on the brain anyway then phineas is like you're going to doom the world you're going to do this like your choice is going to set like you know you're going to be the one to bring it everything down again and i just couldn't remember if that was him alluding to the nosebleed thing or if he was alluding to something else that just never happened and so you said it was the nosebleed thing which fair makes sense but i i was like really clinging when i first read that series i was really clinging to that line because i did not want the whole 
lost trio to be the main characters of the story i wanted percy to be the main character because i love him he he is my beloved and so i was like i was clinging to literally any shred of anything that was going to prove that percy would be the one to end everything or to be the catalyst to end everything again and so then he like that was one of the main reasons that i didn't want to read blood of olympus because his point of view wasn't in it and i was like well what's the point it's not going to end on percy so i don't care about it now and so i was really like oh and so yeah i was just kind of like when i read this line again from phineas i was like oh i remember wanting to hold on to that hope and then it just never came true it's terrible and and really i'm only assuming it's the nosebleed thing because that's the only thing in the series that yeah would connect to it but that alone is kind of stupid because like Mm. i know it led to her rising but still it like also like made me think if gaia could see that far ahead and phineas could see that far ahead to see that that was Percy's fate, that he was going to be the one to cause the nosebleed or whatever. Gaia picked Percy over Phineas, so she already had some idea that that was going to become true. So why did mm. she even need Phineas as a CA in the first place? She Like, why did he need yeah. to even be around if she already knew and was already going to pick yeah. Percy in the first place? Because, like, if if that if anyone else had gone into that gamble with Phineas, they would have died. Like, it's only because it's yeah. Percy that they lived, and so it's like, well, what's Phineas's yeah. purpose? Like, if Frank Which had gone into it, Frank had done. Yeah, but even that doesn't actually make sense, because as we find out in the later books, it's literally just any one of the sevens. They need a yeah. demigod girl and boy's blood. Which, by the way, heteronormative bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, <laughs> <laughs> so it could have literally been... I was just Rick trying to be so, inclusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing is just why specifically Percy? Like, I know obviously it ends up being him, but this whole thing is like, oh yeah, Percy's really important. And like, when we find out what the reasoning for it is, and like, okay, so literally any one of them would be important. Why why have we singled out Percy yeah. for being the important one? Just the whole, yeah. Hate it. Hate it. Get so pressed. <laughs> I'm so pressed. Yeah. <laughs> oh. God. It's it's fair uh, it's it's a it's a very yeah. fair pressing. <laughs> <laughs> Love that phrase. <laughs> uh, but let's go into our subject plug because the one thing I'm not pressed about is yeah. Ella because oh, I love, love Ella. The only thing that makes me sad about Ella is that I feel like her importance is not given. That no. much. like she's not given. She's made out to be really super important, and she kind of is but also isn't at the exact yeah. same time. Because mm-hmm. everything about her is a contradiction, which yes. is kind of sad because she shouldn't be a contradiction. She should be her own character. Exactly. But I, like her entire existence is a contradiction and it makes me sad because she's cool. I like Ella. She's so sweet. Every time she speaks, I'm like, I want to give her a hug. Yeah. So the thing about Ella is I wish that she had had more of a role in the next in Charles of Apollo because like her whole thing is you know that she regurgitates is it the one sibling book that she read or did she read multiple so I think there was own oh you know I think she only read one but so like the whole point of the whole trials series is that you know Apollo's going after all the different kinds of oracles that used to exist back in you know back when and so it Mm. Ella is like 
one of, aside from Rachel, she, well, is the only existing living thing that knows anything about the sibling books that were, you know, lost ages and ages and ages ago. And so I don't understand why she didn't play more of a role as someone that they could go to. Like, I understand that her regurgitating of everything is kind of spotty and inconsistent and not exactly reliable because she moves on. She has ADHD. <laughs> like, she moves on so quickly. Like, and but yeah, I don't know. She definitely was completely underutilized in this series. Mm-hmm. Like, she should have been someone that Octavian was going after even more for, like, a, yeah. as a threat to his job. And she should have been, like she should have said something more or had something more to contribute to the way that was going to affect the rest of the seven and the rest of the way that they go about their quest. Or she should have had some way to affect like Frank, for example, if he's going to be the main character, like she should have had something that's going to change the way that he thinks or acts or speaks, depending on what his future is going to be, especially like surrounding the stick or like whatever else they should have yes. just needed something more. Yeah. I needed something. I needed her to say something to do with the Alaska trip. I needed her at some point in this book to mention something to do with Frank's stick. Like mm. she needed more of a role. And I do agree with the whole Octavian thing later on as well. Of like, this is the whole thing. So Octavian sucks, but he's not wrong about yeah. how <laughs> Ella. Ella should be at Camp Jupiter because yeah. Camp Half Blood have their own oracle. Yeah, they don't need yeah. to. They don't. Especially when she's saying the same prophecies. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know. Yeah. Like, I know he's a dickhead, but at least Raina would have kept an eye on him. If Ella had said in all of all of the nonsensical things that she says, there should have been, like, even if it wasn't a full line of a prophecy, there should have been something that added to the Alaska trip by her saying like a random word here and there across multiple chapters. And then you get to the end of the book and you go, Oh my God, those six words that she said, put them together that created that mm. prophesy at the end of the book. And so like, there should have been something like that where she had some yes. kind of prophetic ability outside of the book that she read. Like she should have, you know, had something else with her character that moved her along and forward, forwarded mm. her a little bit more. Yeah. I completely agree because I would have added so much more interesting things plot-wise to this because, like, yeah, we also kind of I don't think do we would have been like, "Welcome to Camp Half Blood." We have an oracle who lives in a cave, and she sometimes spouts green fire out of her mouth or whatever it is. Oh, welcome to Camp Jupiter. We have a chicken that will read your future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I love that, and like, I don't know. I just, hmm. yeah, she, I, I love Emma, and I do. It's just the whole thing. It's a lot. It's all the female characters. They deserve better. They really, they really do. She deserves yeah. so much better. Hit with a weed whacker. Come on, that's terrible. That is a hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh god, but I do, I do love Ella. I think she's really sweet, and it's just, I, I am happy with her inclusion in the story. Yeah. I just wish it was more plot related, so she has more, basically, more involvement with the plot. Is yeah. what I'm meaning. So that she doesn't um, feel so separate. That doesn't feel like a waste of time and a waste of a side plot. Like that, you know, give her a purpose outside of, oh, I read this book once. Yeah. Like how does the book help? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, yeah. 
sad times, sad times. But anyway, um, speaking on the whole Phineas um, situation, I'm just going to bring it up again because, like, it's just very annoying. You go for it, friends. Percy, <laughs> Percy is taking over the quest, and yep. I hate it. I, I say this all the time, but <laughs> uh, the fact that Percy is so intrinsically tied to the plot, like this whole thing of like, we've learned that Gaia sees him as so invaluable to her goal that she'll kill her own supporters to keep him alive. It's literally just putting Percy at a higher status than everyone else in the Seven, even though, as we learn later, it literally could have been any of them. <laughs> Yeah, but Percy's been given like specific special importance, mm-hmm. and it's, he is it's, the special. He is, but he shouldn't be because he's not. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> he had his time in the sun. He's he had done. his time in the sun, and even then, he didn't really like. Obviously, he did lots of stuff, but he shouldn't. He should not be as skilled as mm-hmm. Jason, who has yeah. been training with the Legion. For many, many years. Yeah. <laughs> like Percy. Percy trained for a week. Camp. A week every year, because the rest of the time he was fighting some monster. Yeah. Literally, if we add all of his time with Kemp Halfblood and the quests together over those five years, he has less than a year's worth of training. Less than a year. Uh, yes, he did incredible steam he did mm-hmm. incredible things, but still less yeah. than a year's worth of training. Yeah. Whereas you've got Jason who has had at least five years of legionnaire training and yeah. became Praetor. He was a leader of an army. Yeah. I, that's, and yet still, <laughs> Percy's... Like, obviously, Jason's kind of boring, but that's because yeah. uh, Rick... <laughs> Rick does not know how to write his character. <laughs> but even people like Hazel, who has been training with the legionnaires for at least seven months at this point yeah. because we're in june she's been at camp jupiter actually no longer than that she's been at camp jupiter since probably september of the previous year she knew jason at that point and he doesn't disappear yeah. until a couple months after that so she's been at camp jupiter for probably eight nine months training with the legionnaires yeah she should be at least at the same level of skill as percy right now mm-hmm. She is a freaking powerhouse and we don't get to see enough of it because of her trauma. Because yes. <laughs> of her trauma and because Rick does not know how to write. Yeah. Basically, all of Percy's plot armor should have disappeared the moment that his curse disappeared, like the curse of Achilles. As soon as that was gone in the river, then yeah. he should have gone back to the underdog that he was in The Lightning Thief. And you see a little bit of it in the war games when he's like manically ripping everybody apart. And everyone's like, who the fuck is this guy? Like there should have been more of that of him being like, I loved that scene, by the way. That's like my favorite scene in the whole book. Anyway. Oh yeah. (laughs) Just because I'm like, he's slashing and it's not Roman. (laughs) It's just, I was like, of course he's not. Anyway. um, (laughs) So like, he should have been for the whole, like of this book, especially before he gets all of his memories back, he should have been that, character who's still looking up to someone else hence why frank should have been the leader of the whole thing and percy should have been taking charge like even though he's older like it it just doesn't make any sense and like prodigies exist so like even though he only has a year of training like he can be that amazing but we've had five books of him being that amazing i'd like to see a downfall so we can build back up again yeah that's the reason we have character arcs yeah and it's not even that I want him to have a downfall. I want him to be a good mentor. I want oh, him yeah. to be the sort of supporter. Because I, I gave this analogy. No, I want to see him struggle. 
I want to see him struggle. Um, the only reason why I'm just like, I want him to see... Because the whole thing is, I want Frank, this like non-confident guy who has the capabilities to be a leader, be supported by Percy. So instead of Percy taking everything over, like he's doing in this scene, he's the one deciding on the plan. He's mm-hmm. the one who's pulling Frank back and basically being like, hey man, chill. You know, all that sort of shit. Yeah. It should be Frank doing that and Percy being the one frustrated about what's happening. And when he's also seeing Frank kind of stumble a little bit and be like, oh, I don't really know, have Percy then step in. Like, no, no, you've got this. It's a good idea. Let's go with yeah. it. But then also, in I'm thinking about it now, in other ways, Percy taking charge in a quest that's not, that isn't his own is completely correct to his character. Because then you look yeah. at, like, all of the quests that he intruded on in the first series and then he was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm the leader. And it's like, okay, main yeah. character energy, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's Animus' turn. <laughs> Literally. And the whole thing is, the only reason why I think it doesn't make sense now is because he's grown. He's grown. Yeah. He not, yeah. like, <laughs> he should well, have We assume by... he has, anyway. His trauma should... Oh, okay, well, his trauma should have made him grow, but he doesn't remember his trauma. So he's he's back to being... Isn't he? Yeah. So let us go into the villain section, because this is the yes. part where I have the issue, because like, this is what we've been talking about, is... Why does Gaia only give a shit about Percy when she should give a shit about everyone? Because she even she knows a boy he's the and a girl. Yeah, <laughs> even she knows. She's like, oh, Percy. And the whole thing is, it makes no sense of why she's going for Percy though, because yeah, she should be wanting to go for someone who can be easily manipulated. See, but maybe she thinks that if she can get him on her side, then he'll never leave again because his loyalty won't let him. Maybe she's maybe she understands that like once she gets him to the bad side that he's like fully understanding of the bad side he's like fully on board because that's his fatal flaw even though I think his fatal flaw is wrath but you know I don't know yeah, maybe she's trying to play yeah. into that part of him if only yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that somewhat makes sense but mainly they couldn't even get him on the side of Luke and Luke had valid they really points couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they really couldn't. Yeah, which is the only reason why I'm like, surely she should be going after people that she can more easily manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like people whose lives like are intrinsically tied to death <laughs> to the point that they are afraid. You know, yeah. Frank and Hazel, the people with fear over losing their lives. You yeah. know, very easily to manipulate there, maybe. Obviously, they won't be able to, but she'll be wanting to try. She should have. She should have tried harder, at least. She should have, yeah. There should have been more intruding um, in dreams. There should have been more, like, everything. More grooming yeah, should have she, happened, I don't really. Think she, intru- she intrudes on Hazel's dream, I think, and maybe once with Frank, but I don't think she ever really does it with those two. Yeah. Especially not with Frank, I don't think. I don't think she actually intrudes on Frank's dreams, actually. She doesn't like, even know who it. Frank is. She's like, oh, who's that guy? <laughs> Nobody seems to know. Nobody will tell me. <laughs> Yeah, mm-mm-mm. it's, it's, yeah. Oh, poor God. Frank, he really is left out of this entire narrative, isn't he? <sighs> poor guy. That's what he yeah. gets for being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, which I'm still mad about. But anyway, <laughs> villains. Phineas, he's a shit villain. <laughs> oh, he sucks as a villain. Sucks. Like, he just, he's not, he's, th- he's not threatening in any way. Because, or not threatening to the trio at least, like, he's threatening to Ella and she's obviously traumatised by him because why wouldn't yeah. he be? He's terrible and terrifying for her. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
he poses no real threat, I guess, to the other three. Like, really? Yeah. And so this whole section seems... Like, for me, there's no stakes when it gets to the portion of them divvying up the Gorgon's blood and whatever. There's no stakes because you can see how much of the book is left. <laughs> you know, Percy's just not going to not be in the rest of it. Like, that would never happen. Rick will never kill Percy. If he does, that's the day I die. And then, like, <laughs> just doesn't, yeah, Phineas is really, there's nothing there that makes you think that this would ever be the be-all and all. The only thing that's good about this scene is the fact that it gives you a moment to see how Gaia could be a credible villain and it gives her it gives her some build-up. And that's the only thing that Rick is good at with her character is building her up. But then once it gets to the point of actually coming to anything or coming to anything coming to fruition with her and like actually making a a you know a big villainous entrance like she just doesn't have any anything behind her like the build-up is great but then there's no payoff for her at all in my opinion yeah oh no i completely agree this is the whole thing so i say it all the time gaia as a concept for a villain is dope yeah it's really interesting of like the like us mother basically basically being like you guys are killing me quite hmm. literally i'm going to kill you all back <laughs> um, rover should have been that's on her a really side. In- yeah but honestly she has a good point but the fact that she's bringing the giants back and we have both the giants and gaia as villains together yeah. they end up undermining each other yeah and that's where the problem arises. Like, Gaia is such an interesting concept for a villain. Why yeah. did we need the giants? Well, we don't see any consequence with Gaia at all for, like, the first three as they're chasing all the giants around. Like, especially for the first yeah. one, we don't really see Gaia con- or anything contribute to the way that of, of Gaia's plot at all. Like, we just yeah. see them chasing around to try and free Piper's dad from a giant, and that's the whole book. And then the end of it is to free a goddess, which is like, but then Gaia has no, no play in either of those scenes really. And so Mm. it doesn't make any sense at all. And then having the giants come back at the end after they've all been killed, right? Is that what happens? Yeah. All the giants are there. All the giants are there. What was the point in killing any of them? I understand that the doors aren't really closed, but like they could have, yeah way more things could have happened and Guy could have been like way more of a presence rather than just sometimes a voice in your head like oh Percy you push my buttons and make don't make me regret choosing you or like whatever it was she said and so it's like yeah. why are you grooming slash like you know trying to pick a yeah. person for your fight but they're against you like you can't pick your own enemy well you can't again but like you can't you know <laughs> you can't pick yeah. your opponent kind of which is how like, it feels like she's setting up pieces on a chessboard, but then refusing to play the game. And <laughs> it's kind of really weird. Yeah. yeah. She's cho- she's picking players for chess, but is playing checkers. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's what? the vibe that's going on. Yeah. It's- but then there's no payoff because no one else is playing checkers. So it's just, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> there's no payoff because she's not actually properly playing checkers. She's playing four in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's using the checkers pieces as connect yeah. four. Pieces connect four. That is the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> I just also love it because chess is like so hard. Connect four is like not at all. 
yeah. child's game and everyone else was like we thought it was way more in depth and she's like it's really not <laughs> it's yeah. really not but the whole thing is the whole build-up of it makes no sense because the the connect four that she's playing she's doing it with checkers pieces so none of it is actually fitting together properly um, <laughs> oh god yeah I'm so good for the analogies for how shit not all this is. Like, none of this makes sense. It just makes Kaya sound stupid. Like, it makes her sound, like, insane, actually. She's yeah. like, I'm just going to no. play this game and it's going to affect everyone <laughs> and you guys aren't yeah. going to know. <laughs> Literally, the only thing I think would have actually ended up working well is that her rising the giants and then being destroyed and all these sort of things had a physical effect on her. Like, you know how, yeah. like, oh, not to bring up that series, but Horcruxes. <laughs> that series, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, that vibe of each time she's able to, because she's using her own power to bring the giant's force, because she needs to, like, take things out before she herself can rise. Yeah. But each time one of those are taken, some of her power is taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see any, like, sacrifice. Final... Yeah. Happening. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, all this stuff, it's just, it's a lot of build-up and a lot of, like, Percy being this main character and Gaia's... Gaia is just a really interesting villain. Yeah. He's not utilised. Not at all. Which, yeah. God, she's as fleshed out as Frank. <laughs> yeah. And somehow, Frank still comes off worse. Like, Frank <laughs> still has less development in comparison yeah. to a villain that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. A villain that only makes a physical appearance in one out of five books. And Frank is in yeah. four of them, technically. <sighs> That's so sad to think about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, um, I, I think... I think that's kind of all I've got to say about this section. Do you have, like, any other final thoughts? Um, I really don't. I have no thoughts. My head is completely empty. <laughs> head empty, thoughts gone. Yeah. Train of thought, where are they? Yeah, we don't know her. <laughs> you don't know her? Well, art thou. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, God. God. Uh... Um, yeah, so that's basically where we're at. So just to do the uh, question of the episode before we do a little wrap up, I want to know from everyone who is listening, what do you think of the fact that Gaia has given Percy almost priority over everyone else for her endgame instead of the others? Like, Percy is her number one. <laughs> like, she's the <laughs> ultimate stan. Yeah, but I don't think it makes sense. So yeah, what do you think about Gaia's choosing of Percy for her endgame goal? Um, and that we're going up on the social media, so be sure to uh, check it out and follow our best damn camp pod. Um, Katie, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so, so welcome. Much fun. Thank you for having me. I love talking about Percy. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally my child, <laughs> my beloved, my only <laughs> thing that I think about. <laughs> The t- oh gosh, yeah. Uh, me and Percy have a love-hate relationship, but we can vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've just, I've loved him for so long that I don't think it'll ever stop. And he's at a point where, for me, you know how everybody, like, treats Wanda from Marvel as, like, I will support women's wrongs? I will always support Percy's wrongs. You could screw up his character a million times and I would not care until you kill him. And then I'll be like, well, I'm never speaking to you ever again. 
he's not dead to me. He's still alive and well in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is fair. We support Percy's wrongs. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, yes, King. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> what, it what's everyone? It. Ever, what's anyone ever done for you? Like, you do what you want. <laughs> you deserve it at this point. So is Trump. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for everyone listening, uh, tell them all about you and the best. Uh, not I'm going to say Mark. <laughs> Sorry, you guys can find me at the best damn camp. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go um, ahead. so you can go. You can find my podcast basically anywhere. Um, we're called the Damn Snack Bar, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Damn Snack Bar Pod. Um, I don't remember my actual personal handle for anything. It's Katie Mac, but there's bunch of k's on the end because my name was taken obviously um yeah but i run my podcast with my sister joe and it's super fun we are this chaotic on our podcast as well we don't know what time limits or tangents are or we do know what tangents are they don't have a time limit as you can tell from this ramble so it's super fun over there (laughs) come and join us all right awesome and uh all of that is going to be linked in the episode show notes everyone so be sure to go check out woohoo I know you said the best damn camp again. <laughs> this is what happens when our fandom only has one joke. We all fucking bludgeon it to death. Yeah, literally. Oh, God. Uh, and for everyone listening, thank you all for joining us for this week's section. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as we continue our own verse journey. Bye, Woo. everyone. See ya! <laughs> Plug where you can find our podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email the Best Damn Camp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Verse content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time. Bye.